0: still going to get knocked down but you just you'll get back up you won't stay down and i think that we all need to like really proactively seek that skill set for yourself on how you're not going to let life knock you down and know what brings you joy you know like know what your coping skills are and just really listen to your body
1: Raising Vibrant Kids is supported by Unscripted. Check out Rachel Rumberger's podcast about health and well-being. She is dropping new episodes every Monday with amazing content. And if you go check out her previous episodes on episode 14, you will find me being the person interviewed. And you can find out a little bit more about my story as a nurse, how I truly discovered my own mind-body connection, and how I healed from difficult times from my own breakdowns and breakthroughs. And besides that one, she's got so many other great episodes. She's an acupuncturist. She's got a lot of great tidbits and advice and free meditations. So I hope you go check out Unscripted. Welcome back to Raising Vibrant Kids. I'm your host, Rachel Blair. I'm so excited that you're here. Today, we have Tracy Baldwin on the show. She is an entrepreneur and award-winning integrated marketing expert with more than 25 years of experience working for some of the world's best-known brands, and she's super proud to be launching her first book called Life Disrupted, Finding Your Way Forward When the World is Upside Down. It's coming out in fall 2022. In the book, Tracy shares her story about how she built back better after experiencing burnout and a breakdown. Tracy says that she was part of the great awakening that took place during the COVID-19 pandemic, and after a life-changing experience in 2021, she re-evaluated and recalibrated her life to live more authentically. She hopes to help other high-achieving women who strive to do it all by sharing her journey. She wants to provide a space for open and honest conversations about mental health struggles, especially anxiety and depression in the workplace and beyond. And finally, she hopes these conversations lead to the next generation of women having the support and the acceptance they need to succeed. She wants women to know that it's okay and even preferable to be perfectly imperfect. And you know how important I think it is for parents to focus on their own mental health. In 2011, she founded her marketing Consulting flow marketing communications, and in 2022, she launched the online platform and community We Humans for parents around the world to share advice and ideas about child rearing. We Humans is rooted in the belief that people from different countries and cultures have more in common than differences, as we all start out from the same place as little humans. Tracy has a Bachelor's of Arts in Journalism from Indiana University and a Master of Science in Integrated Marketing from Northwestern University. She lives with her two teens and a tween, her husband and their Airedale Terrier, Lulu, in Chicago. Today's conversation is really awesome. Tracy is very open, honest and vulnerable with us. I do want to give you a warning that we um, if you have little people around, we do discuss suicide and the possibility of killing yourself. So you may want to put your earbuds in. We also have a great conversation about mothering in this day and age and then also about her new project, We Humans, which is really a very neat idea. I just thought it was really cool and it um, led me to her. So I hope that you enjoy today's conversation and we will, I'll give you more details about how to find her book and her website, We Humans, at the end of the conversation. Let's dive in. All right, today we're welcoming Tracy Baldwin to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. We're going to put light into the world and talk about your big projects that are going on that, um, and your new babies that you're creating. Do you want to um, introduce them to us? My new babies? Um, well, I have
0: a book I'm writing on my own, and then I have a book I'm co-writing ghostwriting, um, which is really exciting. And I also um, launched a new business, Parents, and it's called We Humans. So W-E-E, like little humans. And it's to provide parents and caretakers with a place to share ideas and thoughts on helping our little humans grow and
1: thrive and be the best little humans they can be in the world. I loved your concept of the website and the business and it just, really spoke to me in terms of like bringing together the world and how we raise kids because we do do it differently, but we're all the same, right? Like we're all just people and we're all trying to do the best that we can. Can you speak more about like the inspiration behind it and kind of what started that for you? Sure. So, um, so I am a mom of three
0: kids and when my old, uh, when I was pregnant with my oldest in 2006, actually in 2005, I was totally overwhelmed. It was, you know, my first kid and I, like a lot of parents, wanted to read up on how to be a parent and all the stuff you need to get for your your child to raise a happy and healthy kid. And so I, there was a book, I forgot even what it was called, but it was all about baby gear and it had different chapters on the different types of gear you needed and the best things and you know, consumer reports and safety and all of that. And I was completely overwhelmed. And I thought there has to be a better way to do this. What do they do in China? What do they do in Africa? What do they do in other countries? You know, the world is full of humans that were raised by parents and they seem to be doing okay. The world is spinning still, the world did not end because you know half the world didn't have this yeah. stuff. So I thought, you know, maybe I should find out what other parents in other countries are doing to raise their kids. And at the time it was very product focused, you know, is it, can they do it with less stuff? Like, do we need the double stroller or the fancy stroller? Do we need a fan, you know, the travel stroller, the walk around the neighborhood stroller, the jogging stroller, you know, do we need all that? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, do you need five strollers in your garage? Right. Where (laughs) am I going to put them?
0: Because I lived in a condo in Chicago at the time and there was no room for any of this. That was the other thing I thought, where am I going to put all of this? Let alone the kid. And so, so yes, I had the idea. I started searching for URLs for a website. Um, And at the, at the time, the idea was Global Baby. And I came across Global Baby and someone else already had it. So I was like, oh, boo hoo, you know, my name's already taken. So, and then I kind of tabled the idea. And then I had three kids. And then the pandemic came and I left my job or I had a breakdown, left my job. And then I went kind of got recentered and said, okay, I'm going to relaunch this and I'm going to do this. So 16 years later, I'm finally launching my baby, my, my fourth baby, I guess, We Humans. And I'm so excited about it.
1: Yeah, that is exciting. So let's go, you kind of like, I know that this is kind of what the book is about in terms of your, um, cause so many parents right now are dealing, have, have dealt with the two years of the pandemic. I'm sure lots of them have already had their own breakdowns and we've all been going through it. Right. Like, so yeah. let's, let's go through your, um, story there. If you, if you feel comfortable sharing it in terms of the pandemic and what kind of what hit you that you were like, okay, I'll I need start. to leave and I'm going to start my own business.
0: Sure. So the pandemic, like, uh, I think for parents, no matter how old your kids are, um, you know, if they're in the, if they're school age kids, and even younger um, than school age, it was tough, right? And um, I think quarantine, especially, and remote learning, remote working was hard, you know, it's just we had to re think how we're going to live day to day. And, you know, our social um, structure was upended um, and our home lives were upended. And, you know, I am i think I'm pretty resilient, but, you know, after a while, it was just too much. My kids did not, my two oldest, actually all of them had their own issues um, with anxiety and depression and not even getting up to go to school or, you know, laying in bed with the laptop next to them, sleeping all day, um, you know, my littlest who's in fifth grade just now, but she just wouldn't even, she didn't do anything. She didn't even open her laptop. And so I knew she needed, needed to, we needed to find somewhere for her that was in person, but it was just, it was a lot, you know, as a parent trying to like, and they're all smart kids and good students typically. Um, so it was just me wrangling them every day and then doing my job. I'm a, you know, full-time marketing, um, Professional, and you know, and that was intense because you're zooming all day long. You know, there was no break, you would go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And so it was just, I felt very claustrophobic. You know, you're in your house, you're surrounded by grumpy people, and you're on Zoom all day trying to put on a show. And it was just wearing on me. And before the pandemic, I had been diagnosed with anxiety, and and I've been struggling with it. Um, I would say since around the time I first daughter was born. So 2005. And I was managing it pretty well. I thought, you know, the pandemic, just like a lot of things that were maybe a little not so great before, you know, like the pandemic shines its bright light on it. And it just exposes all the ugliness of people and society and just the things that are wrong. And so for me, it really, I think, put me on edge with my anxiety. I just, I I just felt like it was like the fight or flight, but I couldn't flee. I was stuck. And, um, so one day at work, you know, and, and work has been my safe place mm-hmm. where I just always excel. I love what I do. Um, I just happened to be in a not great work environment, even before the pandemic. And I was dealing with it, you know, like, cause I think we as Americans will just deal with it and march through and make
1: it, make the best of it. And so, but I just, well, I mean, that's the mentality we were given uh, that we were kind of taught as children, right? Right. Was to just push through and deal with it. Exactly. So I was just pushing yeah. through and then I just,
0: couldn't anymore. And so, um, something come up, came up at work where they were just like, yeah, you're not performing up to our standards. And which I don't know if that was really the case. It was more, I think it was just a, they just didn't want me there anymore. They wanted someone different. I think that would kind of toe the line and I was not a line toer. And so I, it just blew up on me, you know, like I was like, I was always, I'm very, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to do what's best for the company. Um, And so it just, it it devastated me to a point that it shouldn't have. And so I was just very desolate. It happened at the end of January in Chicago during one of our worst snowstorms in like years. And so it just all piled on and Yeah. So I was that whole weekend after that happened, I was just weepy and I couldn't get out of bed. And then I, I didn't even want to live anymore. I mean, and that's what my book is about. And just for me to say that is um, it's really hard to admit it because I am a high achiever and um, it's hard to put that out there, you know, that you had those thoughts. I am there's so much shame and guilt and all of that, but that's just where I was. And luckily I made a decision that I wanted to live <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of, I mean, I guess I could get into the actual story a little bit. It might help me to tell the story out loud. I haven't really said it out loud to an audience, but it was a Sunday morning. All the events went down on Friday and I was just from Friday till Sunday morning, I was tanking, 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 just like going deeper down into the dark place. And I put in, I, I have a therapist that I have a good relationship with and I, um, you know, talk to her before all of this, you know, maybe like once a month, I put in a, an SOS call to her on a weekend, which I never do. And I said, I need to talk to you. I'm not, I'm not right
1: in my head. Like I knew it. And, um, no. I kind of, it good for you to reach out for help though. Like, yeah, you know, cause it takes something to reach out for help when you're in that place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think a lot of people do, but I knew enough to do like I had to do that. And and for me, anxiety is like a smoke monster that I try to keep hidden in the closet, but sometimes the smoke oozes out, kind of like I don't know, in lost the smoke monster kind of comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, like I can mm-hmm. feel it coming and I felt like it was coming back in a big way. And um, so I talked to her, and after I spoke to her, I still wasn't okay. <laughs> Like I just was going, I just didn't know. And I just, I felt like I had to flee. And I think I got into it with my husband and then I left. Like I just stormed out of the house. I just took my, uh, I had my pajamas on. I grabbed my keys. I put my coat on and I'm like, I'm just going to go drive. And I'm just not coming back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I thought. But there was a snowstorm and our alley had no joke, probably three feet of snow in it. So I had to go out and I shoveled just in front of my garage enough to get my minivan out. And then my minivan gets stuck in the alley. So you're trying to go off and like never come back. And literally the snowstorm stopped me. And my neighbors, the men had to, they're all out there shoveling the alley. They had to come and dig me out. And I am not in any um, conditioned to talk to anyone. Cause I'm off to go kill myself or I'm like, I'm just leaving my family. And I was stopped. I mean, God was probably laughing at me like "Ha, ha <laughs> a, a snowstorm in your way, Tracy Baldwin. So I got stuck. I just had to like back, even getting back into the garage was difficult. So that whole thing took like an hour and it's, I was still mad. I was still like, I'm going to go do this. So I stormed back upstairs <laughs> My husband's like, what are you doing? You know, what is wrong with you? And I think I just, I even told him, like, I just don't want to live anywhere or something. And I don't, I think he thought I was kidding. And I went upstairs and I went in my bedroom and I thought I have pills. I could take pills. I can't even believe I'm sharing this story. And then, and I've never thought this way before. And I I think I'm going to cry telling you it. Um, And then I literally Googled how to kill yourself.
1: (laughs) That's all practical for Google.
0: Cause good for Google. It all pops up suicide hotline. So I'm like, I don't want to talk to these people. They'll talk me out of it. So then I go, okay, I'm going to go to Instagram. And so I go to Instagram and start scrolling and Sarah Silverman, I follow her on Instagram and it started playing a reel from her. And she literally said, are you thinking about killing yourself today? And I was like, Oh my God, the universe, like Sarah Silverman is talking to me. (laughs) Like, did she record this long time ago? Or is this like a new one or like, what the heck? (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I'm game. Yeah, that's me. So I started listening to it and she's like, you know, you're a procrastinator, aren't you? So why don't you just wait another day? Just wait one more day and don't do it today. And today is a very bad day to kill yourself. So just just wait one more day. And I thought, yeah, I am a procrastinator. I'm always <laughs> late for everything. So maybe I should just put this off for one more day. Um and and so it was Sarah, I mean it was a snow. So I in my when I wrote this out for my book, because I it was so hard for me just to even write the story out. And even just telling you is very difficult. But actually it feels kind of freeing to put it out there. Yeah. But I wrote this out and I called it in my book and I, I don't know if it'll get into the book as the name of the chapter but I called it a snowstorm and Sarah Silverman I mean those are the two things that stopped me that day and I ended up taking one pill instead of a whole bottle it was just Xanax um and I fell asleep and that's how it ended and then when I woke up I was just like, I have to wait one more day. And the other thing that I kept in my brain going over and over again is my therapist had said to me at the end of our call, you can do hard things. I know this is hard. I know it's you're in a dark place, but you can do hard things. And so those two things kind of kept me going. Like I can do hard things and just wait another day. And when mm. you're in a dark place like that, it saves you. I mean, it really does.
1: <laughs> I'm mean, going like... I'm really trying to keep. No, those. Yeah. I mean, that's it. So you just share two amazing thoughts that could really help our listeners. I can do hard things. And the other one was just wait another day. I think you just touched on it too, that I do feel like both of those things, the snowstorm and Sarah Silverman were divine intervention for you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, don't do this today. Like we were not ready for you to do that. I mean, I'm not going to tell my necessarily tell my story right now to you we can talk about it later. But I've been there. I mean, I've had I had those breakdowns and I've had those moments of those thoughts like, you know, and it's scary because you have young children or you have older children in the house. I you have, have this family. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you've got this life that you've built, but you feel like you can't be in it anymore and you're trying to flee it. You know, and there are so many parents out there too, that have probably felt that as well and feel like they're alone. I mean, I bet you felt like you were alone in the moment. Like my husband didn't understand me. My therapist was trying, but she didn't quite get it.
0: Like I, yeah. When, yeah, I felt totally alone and in uh, like in a physical dark place, like surrounded by like smoke. I mean, it was very visceral for me. Like I was just in the depths.
1: Yeah. I mean, and when you're in the depths of despair, it's hard to get out. So it's hard. The little things that you were just talking about that kind of like stopped you or the little, the one idea, those, you know, those things matter. They do when you're in those depths of despair. And so I think that that's really, you've touched on something really important. That's going to touch a lot of people, but so what did you do after that moment? Because you, so you're in this like really dark, deep depression you're ready to, to kill yourself. And then what kind of what, how did you come out of that?
0: I think it was, a just it was one is the decision that, that not today. And I think maybe like the, the moment passed, I think, um, I've done a lot of work since then. And I've learned that emotions are energy and mm. motion. And I learned that through, um, I did a yoga immersion <laughs> after that, like, um, It was um, like a weekly class I did 108 hours, but a lot of it was journaling and um, teaching and not just like doing the physical yoga. It was was a soul immersion, I guess. Um, I also (laughs) listened to a lot of Bernie Brown and just other people, but just the idea that there, no matter the, Mm -hmm. the emotion, happiness, joy, or despair, depression, it's all emotion. And that energy, it only lasts a moment. And sometimes the moments are longer than others, but it moves through you. Right. And I think I realized that like that moment passed that despairing, I need to get out of here. I need to flee my house. I need to flee my life. It went away enough. So I could kind of come more to my senses and be more centered and say no Tracy this is not what you want you still need to be in this world and I think I did what what you said I really reflected on the people or energy that stopped me you know the snowstorm I thought was definitely God divine intervention I mean only God I mean he laughs you make plans and he laughs um or is or maybe he hugs you and says not yet and the Sarah Silverman is maybe the universe. I don't know. That's just so random that that came up. And I haven't actually, I need to reach out to her and tell her that like you like save my no. life. Um, and so, and then maybe I do, you know, it just takes, that's I guess also why I wrote my book. Um, I know there's a lot of other books in this genre and vein out there, but I just think, hey, if I can just say one person, if it, this if, sharing my story, um, helps one person, then it's been worth it. You know, there's there's a reason for everything, and so and I wrote the book, I think, also for me to help process what happened and move through it, and then also, you know, for if I can help just one person, you know, I'm not looking to make a million dollars or be mm-hmm. the next, you know, best-selling author, whatever. And yeah. this, you know, the next Bernie Brown. That's not me. I'm
1: just, a, you know, a parent trying to make my way in the world our stories matter. And Mm -hmm. I think that the more that we tell them, the more that we see our similarities between each of us. Like when you say we, we humans global and you're in your project there, it is stories from around the world that you're bringing the world together. You know, when you tell this story of your struggle during the pandemic parenting and the job and everything, I mean, it helps it helps everybody to kind of be like, Oh, I've been there. Like I said, I've, I've been there as well. And I think other parents have been there and we, you feel so alone. So like you sharing this on the podcast, you m- never know who's listening and they might be in that dark moment and you might be yeah. like there, Sarah Silverman, you know, or silver, is it silver? <laughs> silver? I like her. And that is funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. You may be that for that, you know, because the universe yeah. it works in that way where we, you know, right. these little signs that come to us. And so I just think that that's, yeah. I loved your intro. Do you mind reading it now for the book? It's so, so beautiful.
0: Yeah, so it's it's actually at the end of my intro um, and my book is still in draft form. I haven't submitted this manuscript um, for publishing, so it could be changed a little bit, but this is this is how I wrote how the end of the intro is right now and when I'm saying who the book is for. So I say, this is for those of you Who need the inspiration to move forward if you feel lost or to rise again if you are in the depths of despair. It is for those who may have been high achievers all their lives, trying to be perfect, more productive, the best they could be until they just couldn't anymore. This is for those who struggle with anxiety and depression and ask themselves if they can ever be normal. This book is also for me, too, as it helped me process what happened. We owe it to ourselves to live our most authentic life with love, hope, and light, not hate, despair, and darkness, as our time on Earth is short. My hope is that this book can be one of those tools to help you stand back up when you get knocked down or prevent you from falling down in the first place, because you will get, still get knocked around, just not knocked down or out. I hope it inspires you to face your fears and walk through life fully present to do this. You will need the support of your body, mind, and soul, but you can't do it alone. You need other humans and spiritual energy.
1: I have chills right now. It's, it's so good. It's moving. And I do think that your story is going to, going to affect people. I want to ask you a couple of different things, but, um, sure. So my, my podcast is really about kind of parenting in a different way where, cause I also am kind of that child that came up as a high achiever and wanted to be perfect and wanted to be, you know, and was, wanted to be productive and all those things. And it does, and, and then it does create anxiety a lot of times for those, those people. So you and I were kind of talking about it. Do you see in your childhood kind of where that started and where it was created?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I am a product of divorce, like many children born in the seventies. My parents got divorced when I was four, but I was always a really happy go lucky child. And I guess um, gifted, quote unquote gifted. You know, I just understood concepts. I mean, it's not anything I did. I just could read from an early age, you know, and I could, and things just, I just got things naturally. So so it's not anything I did. It was just kind of, you're born that way. (laughs) But when I was just being me at school, I was always rewarded because, you know, in our system, you're rewarded for doing good on academics and filling out the worksheet and having the answer and all of that. And so I was rewarded for that. All through school and, you know, made to feel special because I, you know, got straight A's or I was, you know, I don't know if it was attendance or, you know, good discipline or, you know, I wasn't a, tra- a troubled child, you know, or like student of the week. And, you know, I think even at my elementary school, like they had like top graduates or whatever. And I was one of the top, you know, the, the girl top graduate from my sixth grade class, you know, that kind of stuff. So, that always felt good. I was always rewarded for that. And, you know, and then you move on and you go to high school and you're rewarded for all of that too. You know, I was very active and I'm, I'm also like, I love to make, I've always wanted to make a difference in the world. Like someone asked me in eighth grade, what did I want to be when I grew up? And I said, I wanted to be the secretary of education <laughs> like <laughs> because I grew up in a a, a school district where there was they were striking all the time and I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make sure kids go to school and not have striking teachers, which is kind of side note, a laugh because I, I live in Chicago and my kids go to Chicago public schools. And if anyone knows anything about Chicago public schools or has listened to the news, it's all about striking <laughs> teachers and chaos. So anyway, that's a little side note, which is, you know, another God has a sense of humor, but I, um, I just always wanted to make the world a better place. And then I, um, one of my favorite teachers in eighth grade was running a journalism class and I was a good writer. And so I did journalism in eighth grade and I did it all through high school. I was on a high school paper. And it was all, again, things I was being recognized for and like, Hey, Tracy, you're good at this. You're good at this. You're good at this. And it was writing. So I, you know, here I I went back to that um, now as I'm writing this book, but I was just always told like you're special, you're good and being recognized for that. And I like that. And I think also in our American society, you know, that's the people that we reward and girls, especially they want to be, there were people pleasers. I was the ultimate people pleaser. Oh yeah. And so then fast forward through, you know, college, you know, I did well in college. Then I, so I did it. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I got good grades in elementary school in high school, college. I did all my activities, extracurriculars. I did all my internships and then I get my first job, did it all right well, guess what? In the working world, there's a different set of rules. They don't care as much about, uh, they do care about rule followers, I guess, but they don't care about innovation as much as they say they do. They really just, it's like, it's a whole different ballgame. It's like more like follow the leader and do what the leader says, despite what you think, even though, hey, maybe we say we want innovation, but we really don't want innovation. You have to do it our way. And so I was just constantly, um, I think, as i kind of grew up in my working world and in my my career i just kept getting um bruised and battered a little bit and i was like wait what's going on here and so um which kind of led up to the the breakdown it just wasn't working the recipe like i i was trying to do all the things i thought i had to do but it still like i still didn't like me you know like it wasn't good enough and so to reconcile that and so i think not only was I like that in my career, but I was like that in parenting and, I, you know, getting mad at myself. I mean, I know parents have so much guilt about what we should be doing or not be doing with raising our children. And um, like, even where I was listening to that, no guilt mom, you know, uh-huh. even saying, no guilt mom, you know, like that's, it's just, it's just part of, I think, I don't know if it's American women or women around the world. I don't know. And that's what I, I'm trying to actually research more about is like. Are there other people like me who are these high performers? And the the thing is, what they told women um, is that you can do it all. You can have it all. You can be smart. And then you can also have a family. But the problem is there are no support systems in place for that to happen. Very little. If you look at like child care support in this country and parental leave and all that. So they tell you, on one hand, get the good grades, you know, go to the good college get a good career, get a good paying job, marry a good guy, um, or lady, you know, whatever, you know, and have kids and, but there's no support. You're supposed to do it all on your own. And, and I just, so that's why I think there's probably a lot of women. And I found that in my research that a lot of women were feeling the way I did during the pandemic, especially working moms. And I think that's a big part of the great resignation too, I think there's other people like just, you know, questioning what's this all for, right? But I think there's a probably a good percentage who are working moms who just simply couldn't do their jobs and be a parent at the same time because they didn't have the support. Yeah, <laughs> Like, we're not superhuman, you know? And so I, I, in my, I operate at two speeds, all or nothing. <laughs> so I went from all to nothing and broke. And I had, I was like humpty dumpty and I had to put it back all together again. And so I think that's how, I mean, it's a long winded answer of how I got to be the way I am. I was just trying to follow. I was trying to be a good girl, yeah. but by the time I got to be, I turned 50 last year, by the time I got to be 50, it just wasn't enough. And I don't think I ever learned resilience or coping or, or accepting support. You know, I just try to do, 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 you know, and work hard and pull myself up by the bootstraps and all of that. Um, and there's just not a lot of room for failure in the American psyche. You know, you're a loser. Don't be a loser. You know,
1: it's your fault. Work harder. I mean, you just hit on so much that I want to like, un- <laughs> I know there's un- a lot there. Like, I can't even t- So number one, you and I, I feel like you and I basically had the exact same. T- I mean, I, I did not, I didn't, my parents were not divorced, but I also did the whole like straight A thing because you do like as a child, there's that, um, and you know what I realized as an adult in my, like, as I started doing all this work and doing the work that kind of what you're doing now was that it's the worthiness factor. Mm -hmm. So we're looking to all these external things in order to feel worthy, right? Like you're getting all of this praise for these grades. I was also the straight A student who went to the good college who, you know, and then you get out there and you think, okay, what am I going to do? And then you have children <laughs> and you think and they've told you that you can be whatever you want to be as a Hold woman it. you can do it all. but the system is not set for you to do that at all right like it's yeah, not created to, to do that the society is not set up to support women through that and that is the reality and i think that as more women share their story and this story of like okay so i did everything that you wanted me to do i jumped through all those hoops that we can see now that it's not set up for women to thrive in that way. And then when you say the great resignation, I mean, there were a lot of women that decided to leave their jobs because of the pandemic, because, you know, I think most of us, we truly love our children. We love our children. We want to raise them and, you know, with like all the love and support that we can give them. But then at the same time, we want to be individuals. You know, we also want to have our own lives and we were raised to think that we could do both. And when you have children,
0: (laughs) like, then you
1: lose yourself a little bit, but you have to, in some
0: respects you do, you just, I mean, being a parent is a little bit of a little bit, a lot of bit of being a servant and all, you know, like serving your children's needs, whether they be the mental, physical, you know, emotional, all of that, Yeah, because we're raising humans, we're, we're raising we humans, you know, and and why does it have to be so hard? Again, you know, like now that I'm thinking about it, like, especially when they get to be teenagers, like, are all the teenagers universally around the world just jerks sometimes? You know, um, one thing that stuck with me is um, <laughs> a random little story, but I love Moana, the movie, and um, the Disney animators went to, you know, a South Pacific island to study. a a small island society, I don't even know which one it was, of kids, teenagers like Moana. And they all had their job in the village and they all um, participated and did their part and they were respectful. And these American animators were like blown away. Yeah. I don't know how they ended up being that way, but not all teens, just because you're like, you always hear that 15 and every American parent, like, Oh, yeah, those are tough years, you know, Like most people, I mean, there's probably a small minority that it's not tough. But a majority of people are just like, Oh, my gosh, that's so hard. But I don't think that's true around the world. And um, so it's like, maybe we need to like rethink some of what we're doing in our society. And, you know, as we, uh, we talk about this great resignation, where people are leaving and saying, this is I can't do it this way anymore. I mean, there's so many opportunities coming out of the pandemic to rethink, not only the workforce, but the parenting, you know, like what yes. expectations are we putting on our kids and how do we build better kids? <laughs> build back better, you know, yeah. better kids and be more authentic and let them have choices and
1: things and responsibilities for things and all of that I love that. So I think that it's fun to see kind of like how other people are doing it and how we could do it differently. And so I, I'm reading these articles about kids in Mexico, where instead of saying, telling their little toddlers, no, no, you can't help me, which we do all the time in the United States. No, no, you can't help me because you're going to make a mess out of it. Or you're going to, you're, you're going to fail at this small task. So I can't let you do that because you're going to fail at it. Right. I'm not going to let you help me that then they stop helping us. And then we expect them to do chores when they're teenagers, but we never let them help along the way. And, you know, in South America, the mom's like, sure, come along, come do this, come do that. And by the time these children were eight, they were like cleaning the house while their parents were gone, you know, of their own accord, because they knew that it would help their family. So I do think that there are wonderful tidbits because, and I love the idea of shifting expectations because we have way too many expectations on our kids in terms of these straight A students or for sports. Everyone has to be a winner at everything. Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's it. I think we don't
0: leave room for failure. We only spotlight the wins. We don't, you know, it's like we used to Uh, there was something on ABC Sports where it's like the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat that was like part of their, I don't know, their voiceover when they would show like the beginning of anything on ABC Sports. So now I'm really aging myself. But in America now, it's only the thrill of victory. We don't want to see the agony of defeat. We don't even, it's like, it's like a, you know, you don't want to look, you want to turn your, like, oh, that poor person. And, you know, like in my book, I talk a little bit about Simone Biles and what happened with her. And I'm so proud of her that she stood up and said, my health is more important than any metal. And we're just like so many people in America couldn't accept that. Like, I think it was like half and half an or Maybe I don't even know what the split was 60, 40, but there is definitely a contingent of Americans who thought she was a loser yeah. and weak yeah, and, and all that. I was not among them. Um, I think maybe that generation will show us that we can be brave. Like that is really being brave. That is, you know, that's the fight song, right? Yeah. She she was singing it. And um, I think we need more Simone Biles in the world to show that that's truly quote unquote winning. And and that's what we need to emulate. Not like win at all costs.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what she did that I love is that she picked her internal wellness over the external need to win a gold medal. Yeah. You know, and that's like that's what I want to bring back to like, you know, for every for our kids, like to basically to bring back to parenting is like this internal model versus the pleasing, the people pleasing, the external thing. Like I'm gonna do it no matter what to compete, to win because you know, and like pleasing everybody around me and doing it for everybody around me in terms of like, rather than being like, okay, what's internal for me? Like, what do I need to do for me? And what am I like so that I can be healthy? Because when we are doing that, we're not healthy and we're, and we're, you know, but when we're listening to our internal voice, we are healthy. And when we are a light in our own life and in our own world, we actually spread that to everybody Yes, and, you know, and then it can actually, and then we're all healthy versus being you know, like dark and despair. And I have nothing to give. I mean, that's how I operated for
0: so long. Like I was just, I had nothing left to give anybody, you know, like I was just done and and let alone myself and nurturing myself. And, you know, a lot of people talk about self-care and I I think the people who are not into it are like, I don't have time for that stuff and whatever. And maybe there needs to be something else that we call it, you know, like coping skills, you know, like how to cope with overwhelm, like, don't call it self care, because that's like naughty, like, how dare you take care of yourself? That's so selfish, you know. But I totally agree. Like, I think you have to take care of what's inside of you. Because if that's broken, then everything's going to fall apart, which I I think for me, I was not taking care of my inside. I did to an extent, but it was band-aids it was really band-aids. I wasn't living my authentic self. I thought I was, but I so wasn't. I really wasn't. And so now it took me having to go through that. And so in my book, I call it a stop sign. The stop sign broke me. And I think a lot of people have stop signs in their life, whether it's a breakdown like I had, or maybe they lose their job or they lose someone important in their life, or they have an illness that's crippling. And it just stops you in your tracks. It stops you from your forward momentum of life. And you're like, how did I get here? What just happened? Mm-hmm. And that's the time as hard as that stop sign is. It's also, I think a blessing or a great time from the universe. It's a timeout to like reassess and reflect. Sometimes the universe has to go to great lengths to get your attention. Cause otherwise you're just going to put it off to later. So they, the universe does something big and I it got my attention and it almost broke me. I mean, it almost killed me. Right. And so that also woke me up and kept me going. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, I was going so far away from who I really wanted to be. And I was so miserable. The other thing is I was so miserable. Like my my family would say to me all the time, why don't you just quit your job? And I was like, I can't. I love what I do and we need the money and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't being my authentic self, you know? So yes, I broke. It finally broke me. And I started on a different path going towards what I think I really need to be doing, you know? Yeah. And if you don't, you know, so I stopped and then I looked around. So I say like, look around, I looked for, um, you know, like ways to get my, listen to my body. (laughs) Cause a lot of times we don't listen to our bodies. Like I would, especially for people who maybe are remote working or, um, I don't know, just like typing emails and you're like, I really have to go to the bathroom, but I'll do it after I send this last email. And then like three emails later, you're like, Ooh, I didn't go to the bathroom yet. Like little things like that. Like listen to your body. Why aren't you just get up and walk away and go to the bathroom or like, you're really tired, but you're like, no, I just need to power through like, no, stop. Like your body is talking to you all day long. And do you listen? So I just started listening to my body And, um, and then my mind, you know, like I had the monkey mind going on. And so finally I actually started doing meditation to try to calm the monkey mind. And when I did meditation, I literally felt tingly in my head of like my brain, just like stopping, like trying to be calm. And a lot of people say like, I can't do it. I can't sit still. It's you need meditation, you know, like, you know, that there's a reason why calm apps and all that stuff is popular, but that also helps you like takes away the voices and stuff and just helps you be present in the moment. And then the spiritual side of it. Like I tried to, like I did stuff with um, my church. I I did stuff with yoga um, and just really understanding like that about um, emotions or energy emotion. And how do you through yoga, like move that energy through your body to calm and get more centered and become more embodied. And for me, it's yoga, but maybe for other people, it's different things, but it just helped me get centered. And then also I, I did a lot of journaling too, and that really helps you kind of get to your authentic self because it's there. Your everyone's authentic self is there, yeah, but it's clouded by those expectations you've had your whole life and all the shoulds. I should do this. I should do that. Yeah. I want to do this, but, or I should go do, you know, I, I really you know, wanted, I really wanted to go to the bathroom, but I have to do this email. Like, no, just get up and go, you know, like on the very simplest level, you know? And I even like, so I'm trying to practice this even like in my interactions with friends and someone on Facebook said like, here's my productivity list for the day. I've got to do all these things. I don't have time for myself. And I kind of challenged it. I'm like, well, why not? Like, why don't you reward yourself for doing this? Or, you know, take, you know, take some time to take a walk.
1: Oh, I can't, I'm too busy you know, so that's a choice. There's glory in the busy though. There is glory. Right. Is why she forgot right. this was up there. I was a martyr. You're a martyr. Everybody loves being the martyr. You know, you talk to people. I mean, you, I mean, I found this where you just talk to, to people in your neighborhood or people at school or wherever. And it, there is, there's the glory in the busy. We're so, bu- how are you doing? Oh, we're so busy. We're so busy that we can't, you know, do anything. We can't, and you don't have time. You don't have time for the people in your community. You don't have time to take care of yourself. You don't have time. And we always are like, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. But we're, we're replacing it with things that aren't necessary and that aren't filling us. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's kind of draining to live that that life and to have that false belief of that. But I don't know. Go I totally agree. And one of my like mantras
0: of life um, is that our lives are not, Made by the dreams we dream, but by the choices we make. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if someone else said that, or if I just came up with it. But I've been saying it for a really long time, and it's about a choice. It's those daily choices, you know, those small steps. Like for me, like when I was laying in my bed that day, it was the choice. You every day you're making a choice to, you know, go to the bathroom (laughs) instead of writing the email or. To live or to, you know, do that one thing that you really have always wanted to do. Um, it's a choice. It's a choice. And nothing is stopping you from doing it except you, yeah. you know, and and maybe, you know, because some people would be like, well, Tracy, I want to make a million dollars. Okay. And maybe you can't do it right this second, but what are you doing to walk on a path in that direction? You know, it's a choice. It's a choice to walk on that path versus just like, no, I can't, you know, that's crazy, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I really think it is about those choices you make every day. And I was the martyr though. I, I mean, I totally relate and I don't know why I was the martyr. Maybe because it's easier to be the martyr. Cause you don't have, it's harder. It's it's harder to, it's harder to be authentic. <laughs> it's scary.
1: I, You know, it's tiring. It's full of fear, but it's so much more rewarding. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know when we gave our power away, but when you say like, it's your choice. Um, you know, I did, I also had that moment actually in a therapist's office where she said, you don't have to do that. Like, you know, I'm co- of course complaining because everybody's complaining about what's going on in their life. And, um, she was, I was complaining mm-hmm. about my job. I was complaining about Uh, my relationship. And she was like, "Uh, you do know that you don't have to do either of those, right? Like you have a choice of getting out of them. And I don't know when as a child that we, and I feel like for you and me, both as like the perfectionist, a student kind of thing where we didn't feel like we had a choice in a lot of things where we just felt like we had to keep going, going, going that when you finally Mm -hmm. realize that the choice is yours and you own it is when you become empowered. Because then you start to look at your life and think, well, I don't have to live here. I could live somewhere else, you know, and you become more like, then you realize that the power is in your hands and that you can make, because a lot of people don't think that they have that choice or that the power isn't in their hands or their finances don't allow it. And, but you really like to do, to own that, you really have to start looking at it and say, I do have power. I do have control. And I can, like, I can think my thoughts are in my control. I can work through my emotions. You know, I can pick this part of my life. I can pick that part of my life. And then you really are powerful in so many ways. Yeah. Like, I can choose to be present. I can choose to be patient. That's true,
0: too. Do you? But I don't think you can choose to be perfect. You can try to attract,
1: try to achieve that, but it's a no, it's, you can't. Perfection is no an perfect. illusion.
0: It's an I illusion. Mean. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a myth. None of
1: us are perfect. It's a lie that's been put out there, you know, for everybody. Same as the idea of success. When we were children, you know, like, oh, I want you to be successful. What does success mean? It's an illusion. Like, name it. Like, I want you to, I don't know,
0: live your dreams, you know, whatever that is. That's success. I want you to be happy and fulfilled and present you know um I mean I guess that's what I would say to people it's like I want people to be present and centered because you know what life isn't all happy you know we're always chasing happiness and that's another big thing in my book it was it's like find joy in the journey um I bought this like cheesy you know those like I don't know fun sayings that they have at like Marshall's or TJ Maxx. And I'm like, all right, I'll decorate my house with one of these sayings. Or actually I got it for a a gift for someone. I ended up not giving it to them and it was find joy in the journey. And I thought it was kind of like, oh, whatever. I was going to give it to one of my friends who likes to hike. And then all this stuff happened. (laughs) And it was for me, it's me. It could even be the name of my book. You know, like you gotta find joy in the journey. You really do. And that, I mean, that's life the joy isn't the destination yes it's the journey and if you're chasing after happiness it's it'll evaporate you might be able to hold on to it for a little bit but I guarantee you it's not going to last because remember energy or emotions are energy in motion it's going to cycle out and it'll go away so it's like you got to find joy in those moments and and, and in the journey um that's a, a huge thing. So I, the funny thing is I bought the cheesy little gift for my friend who likes to hike and it was really for me. And I didn't know it at the time
1: universe <laughs> again, was a sensitive- I want that sign in my house. I'm going to put that, but I think <laughs> that you're right. I mean, uh, so like, I mean, I went through that with like just parenting, right? Like in terms of finding the joy and
0: mm-hmm. I have a little
1: bit of a different story for the pandemic because I wasn't working. I'd already like left and had my breakthrough. And so I was already at home and I had like my identity shifted and stuff, but I I was still trying to find myself, but the joy, I started homeschooling the kids and I started to find the joy in parenting. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it was here all the time. You know, like it's here all the time. You you just have to pick which little parts bring you joy and lean into that. And you kind of have to like, keep doing that. And I think that's what you're doing right now. It's, you're starting to really lean into that joy of your life and the joy that it's bringing. Does, are your, are the people around you, are they seeing a shift? in you and in the,
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Um, like my husband big time, you know, um, he definitely sees a shift. I think my kids do too. Although, you know, they don't really say it, but they're always watching you. Right. Even though they're, you know, they snarl at you and all of that. They're always watching you. And I'm not, I am far from perfect, very far from it, but I think they see that I am authentic. So to say I never like, yell at my kids or lose my temper with them. That is not true. But I can come back and say sorry. Now, you know, or that I don't have days where I don't want to get out of bed. That's not true. That happens though, you know, but I, I let myself sit in the moment. And because maybe that's what my body needs. I recognize that and I don't get I don't make myself feel guilty and I just let it cycle through. Cause I always know it's just, it's a moment and it'll pass. It doesn't have to be day in, day out. And I don't have to go keep sinking down into despair. And I also have come up with some coping mechanisms and some, you know, so I feel like when I said in my intro that you'll, you're still going to get knocked down, but you just, you'll get back up. You won't stay down. And I think that we all need to like really proactively seek, that skill set for for yourself on how you're not gonna let life knock you down, and know what brings you joy. You know, like know what your coping skills are, and just really listen to your body. You know, like how are you feeling right now? Um, that's a big thing in yoga too. They're always be like, "Stop and how are you feeling?" You know, and I would at first I always like kind of roll my eyes, but it's like it's like okay, how am I feeling? Do a check in like a body scan, and how are you feeling? Like so like ask your body because your body will tell you sometimes because your mind and body always like fight, Mm. I think, because your mind's like, no, we got to go all costs. Let's go. Let's go. We're going forward. And your body's like, whoa, Hey, no, we don't want to do this. And you know, your um, back is all like tense and maybe your eyes are furrowed and, or your eyes twitching or, you know, like, wait, why is that happening? And then I'll catch myself, you know, like, wait, this isn't right. And then I I'll reset. So I just, I guess I, say I'm not I'm still imperfectly perfect that's what I always say but I have the tools to pull me back either back from the depths of despair up to even or if I'm totally out there like joyful I like to feel that but I also kind of in the back of my mind know like it's not like this all the time and I'm grateful you know um but more centered Mm -hmm. in the moment
1: I think that that's like that's just so beautiful I can't wait for your book to come out. I'm really excited. Maybe you can come back on when it's published (laughs) and we can talk about it. I know. I would love to hear that. And uh, do you? Yeah.
0: And like I said, it really is. I feel like it's more for me and that that one person. So once maybe I meet that one person, then I'll be good. I'll be like, okay, good. I did this and I can move on.
1: But it's like, it's
0: also like, I love that I'm able to do this we humans thing. But I think the other thing that it's uncovered for me is that I am a writer and I love to write. Um, even like way back when I kind of shared my, my path through school and I went off that path. I became a, jur- or I went to school for journalism but then I went into marketing. So I wasn't writing for other people necessarily. I was selling things. And I always felt kind of conflicted about that. Not to say, and I still am a marketer now today but I really love writing books. So I think, um, and then also being an entrepreneur. So those two things, I just, it's so, it brings me so much joy to do those two things. And I I think the other thing is I just want to be a light in the world. I want to be the one match that becomes an exclusion, (laughs) you know, like I just, I want to be light, you know, there's so much dark in the world right now. And I get really wrapped up in it. You know, I am, um, looking at what's happening, um, overseas right now, like every day, like I'm addicted to that and I just feel so helpless, but I think what I want to do my part is just try to be positive and, and, you know, be a light. Um, and that's all we can do, right. That's in our control. That's something in our control. It's a choice. choice.
1: It would be an explosion, right? Like it yes. would all if we all it'd be a nuclear explosion. If we all went inward and did our like, you know, and became lights in the world. It would it would light it up and it would be the most beautiful world. We would be living in peace and harmony and it would be it would be wonderful. That is like that is my goal. I can feel that in your book. I can feel that in, you know, your your website. So will you tell the listeners one more time where to find you? And um Sure. There's a couple different places. Um, on Instagram,
0: um, both We Humans and my book is there. So it's um at W E E Humans Global, and then for me is author Tracy Baldwin. Um, I will have a website with the, both those names. We Humans Global exists right now. Um, and I have cute little onesies that I, <laughs> with the logo on it, right now. Those are cute um, and t-shirts on the we humans, but I hope to have more like products on there. Eventually. I just need to get it up and running. And that I, you know, paused for 16 years and I finally just did it. Cause I was waiting for everything to be perfect and lined up. That's not how it works. So I just dove in and I'm doing it. So probably a month from now, there'll be more things there.
1: Um, but yeah, that's so we humans global and author Tracy. Baldwin. Okay, we're, Well, we'll put all of that in our show notes so that people can go find it. And, uh, we just sure. really appreciate you coming on today and telling us your story and sharing with everyone. And I know that you're going to bring light to somebody today. So, uh,
0: thank you so yeah. much.
1: And thank you for this
0: opportunity. This was my first interview. So <laughs> sure to not be your last. I'm sure. That
1: I, I know.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so, so much. And if there's, um, you know, anything I can do for you too, let me know. Thank you so much.
1: Well, I hope that conversation really resonated with you. Um, It was such a pleasure to talk to Tracy. And I just love how she's willing to tell her story and to write about it in order to help other people who are struggling with anxiety and depression, move past their doubt, the burnout, and, um, and their breakdown. And, you know, I've also had those struggles. And we just want you to know that you're not alone. And mental health for parents is just so important. I think a lot of us struggle silently and don't share our stories or talk about it. If you're interested in supporting Tracy and pre-purchasing her book, you can do that until April 30th. Go to authortracybaldwin.com. All the information will be in the show notes. You can um, just click the link. And the book is titled Life Disrupted, Finding Your Way Forward When the World is Upside Down. It's going to be coming out in September of 2022. If you're interested in her other business, it's wehumansglobal.com and that will also be in the show notes. Um, She is just starting that up and um, is actually looking for people to contribute from around the world. So if you know anybody that would like to contribute to the blog and to the business, contact her. That would be awesome. I love the concept of we humans and how Tracy is excited to celebrate our differences, but also have a place where we can support and encourage each other around the world, because we are all growing these we humans that are going to be the next generation of our society. Thank you so much for listening today. If you if this resonated with you, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us uh, wherever you get your podcast, and the links to follow Raising Vibrant Kids will be in the show notes. And I just want to leave you with Tracy's mantra of life. Our lives are not made by the dreams we dream, but the choices we make.